This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And now that Joe Bam Bam Douglas is the general manager officially of the New York Jets, Talk to Vince Quinn from WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia and the Go Birds podcast about Joe Douglas's time in Philly. When I had Zach Pearson on to talk about the candidacy of Champ Kelly, talk to him a little bit about Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas spent a year in Chicago. And now I want to get to the bottom of the 15 years that Joe Douglas spent in the Baltimore Ravens organization. That's a long time to be in any organization, and it's where he spent his formative years coming through the ranks and really learning how to do this job that he is now prepared to do for the New York Jets' as general manager. A lot of roots there in Baltimore, and so I wanted to go to somebody that could give me all the information that I was looking for and I got two excellent writers, and this is the first one. They're both from USA Today's Ravens Wire. He is somebody that comes highly recommended, and talking to him for a few minutes before we start recording, I can absolutely see why. Walla Odenarin, how are you, Walla? <laughs> good. How are you, Scott? I'm good. I got your name right, right? Yes, you got it right. You got it right. Yes, I hate when I mispronounce names. <laughs> first no question no I have for you about Joe Douglas is, I know he wasn't in that prominent of a role with Baltimore, the way that he was with Philly and that he's going to be with the Jets. But you did realize that he looked just like WWE legend who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, Bam Bam Bigelow, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And, and you know what's funny? Uh, it's funny uh, if you watch the Game of Thrones, people say he looks like Mountain. Yeah, that's what everybody's been saying. They've been calling him the Mountain. But I prefer to call him Bam Bam Bigelow because I'm telling you, if you look at the two of them next to each other, the only major difference is that Bam Bam had tattoos all over his head. Other than that, they could be brothers, I'm telling you. Brothers from birth. And as I've said before on this podcast, I'm going to call him Bam Bam Douglas, and that's just the way it's going to be. Sounds good to me. I think it'll be good, though, in negotiations because you've seen Joe Douglas. Who's going to say no to that guy? He's going to take your best player, your draft picks, and your lunch money. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about Joe Douglas in Baltimore. He started in 2000 and was there all the way to 2015. Tell me a little bit about the different roles that he served while he was there. So when Joe Douglas started out in 2000, he started out as a personnel assistant for the first three years. And then from there, he got promoted up to the Northeast Area Scout in the Northeast for, from 2003 to 2007. And then from there, for one year, he worked as an air, East Coast Area Scout in 2008. And then in, from 2009 to 2011, he was a Southeast Area Scout. And then finally, in his last few years with the Ravens, he was the club's National Scout from 2012 to 2015. So he definitely worked up the, the ranks the way you would, like at any job, you would hope to from an intern all the way to a full-time employee. Before we get into any specifics, tell me a little bit about what you know about the Ravens culture that he was a part of. Obviously, we know the Ravens won two Super Bowls during his time in the organization. What was it like under the reign of Ozzie Newsom, which is when Joe Douglas is there? It's really a it's really a professional and respectable relationship where everyone knows their role and everyone respects the role that each one is in. So. For example, John Harbaugh had his job. Eric DeCosta at the time was the assistant general manager. Ozzie Newsom was the main general manager. And so those guys, for example, they would come together in the meetings and talk about how to operate the team, and everyone would have their input. Nobody would think that, oh, 
my input is more important than anybody else's. And I feel like with Joe Douglas, everybody, even when you hear about the way Ozzie Newsom talked about him or how Ryan Pace talked about him with the Chicago Bears, about how he, he, he keeps his ego out the door. He, he's a guy who he respects everyone in the organization. And the Ravens definitely have, have that mentality of even if things don't go too well, everyone is, everyone is, is respecting each other and they're, they're playing for each other and they're building the organization that they feel like plays like a Raven. And I feel like the, the way the Ravens built their organization over the years has always been a physical mentality, a fearless mentality, and a feeling like you can beat anybody that you could go up against each and every week. And I feel like when you look at what the Ravens are able to do against the Patriots and the, like it gets going back to 2009 playoffs and the 2012 playoffs, they beat them handily. And you look at what Joe Douglas being part of the Eagles organization in 2017, going to the Super Bowl and being them. So he, they have a fearless mentality. He has a fearless mentality that he's going to carry over to the Jets where they're just going to feed off that kind of stuff. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. And Ozzie Newsom is a guy that can recognize talent. He was long recognized himself as one of the best executives in football for a really long time. And so for Joe Douglas to rise through the ranks like that and be there for 15 years, he must have made quite an impression on Ozzie. Exactly, because Ozzie is, he is, do we know anyone who could go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame two times for, for different mm-hmm. reasons, one as a tight end and then one as a general manager? So, the Ravens, are, the Ravens have always been a team that's always prided themselves on continuity, being able to build from within and keeping the standard for way that they want their team to be built over the years. So, yeah, I, th- I think Joe Douglas, to me personally, when you look at the, where we are in the offseason, to get a guy like that this late in the offseason is about as a home run as you can get. And if I'm a Jets fan, I'm excited. Tell me a little bit about the way things work with the Ravens. What did they prioritize in terms of different positions? And even in the draft, what was the mentality in the draft room as far as best player available versus filling needs? Because we know what he did with the Eagles, and I wanted to get a look inside 
the mind of the Ravens organization to see if he brought that mentality to the Eagles and it was kind of a carryover because if that's what happened, if he learned all that with the Ravens and then brought it to the Eagles, we can certainly expect him to do the same thing with the Jets. Yeah, the Ravens, as we've seen over the years, the way they build their defense, it's always been defense first and then offense, let the offense control the clock, run with the football, take take chances down the field with, with play action and things of that nature. So the Ravens have always been an organization where, like, with the best player available, best player available is, is still a need. When we look at what the Ravens were able to do from the very beginning, even dating back to 1996, they looked at, they, they drafted Jonathan Ogden with their fourth overall pick, and they drafted Ray Lewis in the, later in the in, late in the first round. So the Ravens have always been an organization where they're looking for the best player available from a need standpoint. And when you and we look at they, they're building for an identity, and that's the biggest thing. So when the Ravens are they they know who they are, and I think when you're building a football team, it's always critical to know who you are, no matter what kind of player that you're getting. Will this player fit into your locker room? Is this player going to fit your scheme? So the Ravens, over especially in recent years, I want to say since pretty much since 2002, the Ravens have been running a 3-4 oriented defense with a little bit of 4-3 uh, variations to it from time to time. So the Ravens are, have always been geared towards in the trenches, looking for the, the nose tackle who can clog up the middle as a, as a one as a one technique. And then you're looking at guys from at the defensive end standpoint, from a three technique standpoint. And then, if you're lucky, finding a talented player that who can play as, as a five technique. And from there, it's it's just letting the linebackers flow from a from a running game standpoint. It's about letting the defensive lineman clog up the offensive line for the opposing offensive line and letting the linebackers flow, and also allowing the outside linebackers to take on more responsibility providing a pass rush because when you look at the way the Ravens have been built over the years, they don't really rely on their defensive ends to, to pass rush the way they allow their outside linebackers to take on that responsibility. So other things like that and just uh, offensively, it's about complementing the defense. So the Ravens have never been a high-scoring team. They're, they may not be this year. They might not be for the next few years. So it's always been about building the offense in order to get keep the defense fresh from a play clock perspective eating up clock, running the football, and taking your chances downfield when need be. And I feel like with Joe Douglas, he saw a lot of that and with the Ravens, and he carried on some of that philosophy with the Eagles, with the way the Eagles built their defensive line. So I think with the New York Jets and adding C.J. Mosley as well in the free agency, who is familiar with the way the Ravens run their organization, is something that I think can carry over as well. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Tell me a little bit about what the dynamic was like between the front office and the coaching staff 
when Ozzie Newsom was there and obviously when Joe Douglas was underneath him? How did that work? Were the front office and coaching staff closely aligned in terms of goals? Was it one of those situations where the coaching staff had certain wants and needs and then the front office would go out and fill those? Was it a little bit of a 50-50 thing? How did that work? I feel they really worked like Ozzie Newsom and John Harbaugh and Eric DeCosta. They all worked really well. They worked well as a team. They really had their input together. As they would have meetings and discuss like how they want to build a team, but nobody in that meeting room would ever have like a an ego where like, oh, I want things done my way. Hey, I'm John Harbaugh. I want I'm the head coach. I want things done this way. Or I'm Ozzie Newsom. I'm the general manager. I want things done this way. Everyone's input was equal, and that was the biggest thing because like when you're thinking about Eric DeCosta, for example, who has been. Where teams from other teams, teams from around the league, have been trying to poach him and, and and be a general manager for them, and he has declined year after year after year. So, like when you have someone of that stature waiting for his turn, it's easy to say, like, you know what, I can go somewhere else, you know, and and do my own thing. But he he's out. He he kept his ego at the door. Harbaugh has kept his ego at the door, and Ozzy has kept his ego at the door. So, and plus, as as I mentioned before. Ozzie Newsom and Ryan Pace have great things to say about Joe Douglas and his ability to 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 make everyone feel equal and and respect everyone's job within the organization. Tell me a little bit about what you remember specifically of Joe Douglas. I know he wasn't in a super high post, but were there any stories about anything that he did or any players that he might have banged the table for while he was in Baltimore? Oh, absolutely, and there, there's some real known names. For example, he uh, Joe Douglas was very instrumental in the Ravens selecting Joe Flacco. Their offensive guard Ben Grubbs, who they drafted in the first round in 2007, linebacker Pernell McPhee, who's back with the Ravens this season after spending some stints with the Bears and the Redskins, and C.J. Mosley, and Justin Tucker, and Lardarius Webb, and maybe most of all, Marshall Yanda, who may be walking his way into the Pro Football Hall of Fame at this point. So he's a, he's he's been involved in some high quality names, and I think you know as I mentioned earlier, when you get a guy like Joe Douglas this late in the off season, you, you you're really you're, it's it's really a risk because you just fire the guy who did your 2019 NFL draft, so he's gone and now it, you're at a crossroads. But to get someone like Joe Douglas this late. Is awesome. I'm. It's it's about as a home run as you could get. Like if he, even if you got him in January, it would still be as exciting as it is now. I know that he has a relationship with Gase. They worked together for a year in Chicago. But what you know of Douglas and his personality? Do you think that he and Gase can get along and work together? I think so. I think that him and Gase can get along and work well together. I think there's, as I mentioned before, I think when he with his sense in the Ravens organization, he is able to see how. Of the head coach and the front office were able to communicate with one another and offering each other input and putting that into display and putting putting that into a functioning football team. So there's going to be disagreements of how, like, hey, this here and there about which player they want and things of that nature. But I think the I think everything will will be a fine initially. But like at the end of the day, wins and losses determine a lot of things. Wins will make everyone happier, and, and losses will start having people question some things, some things. But I think overall, Joe Douglas is, has always been a professional, and I think I think he'll always respect Adam Gates. Did he leave the Ravens mostly because there was just nowhere else for him to go in the organization and he needed to branch out? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, that, the first, Joe, Joe Douglas maybe has that answer for him for himself, but I think when you look at the Ravens organization, they've always been an organization that promoted from within and always gave opportunities for who want for everyone who wanted to stay in the organization. But they're never someone who would block a, a, a guy in their organization to work somewhere else for a higher promoting position. So they're they're always grateful for everyone who works for them. And then they just chug along and, and produce someone else along the way. To the best of your knowledge, if you were to ask Ozzie Newsom, Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, Brian Billick about Joe Douglas, they would say positive things? Yes, uh, absolutely. Would you say that Douglas made his mark both on the pro and college end of things with the Ravens? Yes, I think, I think, also, I think more so in a call, in, in, from the area scout sort of things because of the players that he was able to, to acquire from Flacco to Grubbs to Yanda and Tucker. Those are, those, all of those guys are, at least four of them had, had been, a, were instrumental in the Ravens winning the Super Bowl in 2012. He's a great writer over at USA Today's Ravens Wire, and I'm glad that he was able to take a couple of minutes to talk to me about the Baltimore years of Joe Douglas, the new general manager of the New York Jets, or as I like to call him, Joe Bam Bam Douglas. Walla O'Denneran, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For people who want to find you and read your work, where can they go? You can follow me at Walla Ryder on Twitter, and you can also follow me at Ravens Wire USA Today. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. As we continue to look at Joe Douglas, the Ravens years, I just spoke to Walla from Ravens Wire of USA Today, and now I've got the managing editor of Ravens Wire to continue to talk about Joe Douglas, Mr. Matthew Stevens. Matthew, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always nice to talk about football. Absolutely, and to talk about a guy in the front office who used to be a football player, and boy, does he look like a guy that used to be a football player. Joe Douglas, of course, mentioned earlier, and I've said this many times, looks like the late, great Bam Bam Bigelow, just a big, burly dude, but has an impressive record throughout his time in the NFL, and 15 years of it was with the Baltimore Ravens. So one thing that Walla talked about was Joe Douglas's penchant for finding talent and how instrumental he was in bringing in a lot of really well-known Ravens, including Ben Grubbs, Pernell McPhee, Marshall Yonda, who may end up going to the Hall of Fame. That's how good he is. C.J. Mosley, who he will now be reunited with, with the New York Jets and several others. You also told me before we started recording that Douglas had a reputation for being able to pinpoint guys in the mid-rounds that would become useful to the Ravens, which is something that the Jets have struggled with a lot over the last decade. Tell me a little bit about that and the string of undrafted free agents that you said that he helped cultivate because the Ravens have been a really good team traditionally from year to year. So if they're able to find guys as undrafted free agents that make the team every year, it means they're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Douglas has been one of the better scouts, one of the more respected scouts in the NFL during his time with the Ravens, and, and you hit the nail right on the head. 
the guy was known for being able to pick those those late round picks. You know, uh, you mentioned McPhee; uh, he was a fifth round pick. You know, uh, those are the types of guys that you end up getting later on that end up making a huge impact. And, and as you said, you know, he was instrumental. He was one of uh, two main guys here in Baltimore toward the end of his tenure. Uh, that really kind of honed in on the undrafted guys and was, you know, part of that team that that helped get those guys. And the Ravens at this point have, I believe, it's 15 consecutive years of an undrafted free agent making the 53-man roster. Now, keep in mind that's through two Super Bowls, that's through countless playoff appearances. It, it's also partly through uh, two head coaches, so you can't just pin it on on the head coaching staff. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's the type of guy you're getting. You're getting one of the most respected scouts uh, in this league who has now done it through three different teams. Tell me a little bit more about Joe Douglas, the scout, because from what Walla was saying and from what you were just talking about, it seems like he was really impressive and had a keen eye for talent. Talk to me about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he was the Northeast scout here in Baltimore for, for the longest time, obviously uh, under Eric DaCosta, who's now the general manager, and Ozzie Newsom, who was the general manager. So, you know, you, you certainly have the right learning presence, the right mentor, uh, if you're going to go ahead and make that transition to a general manager. But, yeah, I mean, he, he was the Northeast scout. He was one of the guys who really kind of pegged Joe Flacco, who came from Delaware. Uh, not a lot of people at the time uh, thought Joe, uh, Joe Flacco was going to be much of anything. And regardless of your feelings on him a decade later, uh, the guy won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, it, it clearly worked out for him. So, yeah, he, he's he's just a guy who really puts in the work, puts in the homework, knows what he's looking at. Uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit beforehand about the idea that you know, he was an offensive lineman for years. He's a guy that's played. And, and he was a guy that, uh, when he came to Baltimore, just kept throwing his resume at Baltimore and just kept saying, hire me, hire me, hire me, I'll do anything. And started off as a player uh, uh, player assistant and, and, and eventually kind of grew into the role that he had. So, yeah, just, just an all-around great scout. Uh, and, and as we kind of mentioned before, obviously you have McPhee, you've got guys like Ben Grubbs, you've got Marshall Yonda. So with that type of a track record, you know he knows what he's doing. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Being that Joe Douglas was an offensive lineman himself, you would think that he would have a keen eye, especially for offensive linemen. And from what you were just saying and from what Wallace said, you're talking about Marshall Yonda. You're talking about Ben Grubbs. Those are two guys that you can stick on that line and have them there for a decade or more, and we're already seeing the results of that. Tell me a little bit about Joe Douglas in terms of his approach towards trying to find offensive linemen because that's been a pretty big issue for the Jets for quite a while. They haven't really invested in that offensive line. A lot of people are hoping that that will change now that Joe Douglas is here. Do you think, based on what he did with the Ravens, that his approach will be to invest heavily in the offensive line? It's going to be interesting to see what he does as a general manager versus having been a scout. But certainly, you know, I think he's a guy that that came from Baltimore, came from that mentality that you got to build with the trenches. Obviously, the defensive line, obviously the offensive line, you got to build that up in order to create a successful team. Uh, whether that translates into the Jets becoming more of that, you know, hard nosed, smash mouth. Uh, uh, aggressive type of offense and defense will, will you know, be seen, obviously, but it, it, he's certainly one of those guys that, that has the experience with that. Uh, like I said, we, we mentioned Ben Grubbs. We mentioned, uh, you know, Baltimore just over the years has had such a great offensive line, and they've constantly retooled. Now, you know, Marshall Yonda has been kind of the stalwart on there, but, you know, Kalecchio Semele, 
didn't exceptionally well here in Baltimore. Ben Grubbs did exceptionally uh, well here in Baltimore. Y- you have Ryan Jensen, who uh, went over to the uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. He, I believe, was toward the tail end of uh, Douglas's career here in Baltimore as well. So, yeah, I mean, the guy certainly can peg out offensive linemen that are going to do well, and especially in the middle rounds, which is where you want to find those guys. They might not show up necessarily year one or year two, but by year three, year four, that's when they really start to make their mark. And, and that's how you build a successful team over the years. How highly thought of was he by Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta when he was there? I think exceptionally highly. I mean, I, I, the, the thing you keep hearing about around the league was that when he was with Baltimore, he was one of the most respected scouts in the league, bar none. Uh, again, that certainly helps when you're from a team like Baltimore. I think everyone kind of gets their profile elevated a little bit during those years. But, you know, he was a guy that, that moved up. And, and just like Eric DaCosta, the now gen- the general manager here in Baltimore, he was very much the same way. He came in a few years after DaCosta, started off kind of getting coffee for people type of thing, and slowly but surely started to kind of climb the ladder, which, you know, can be tough here in football. And I think we've all seen it year in, year out, where – you see a lot of retreads. You see a lot of guys who maybe were, you know, have the right name or, or come from the right thing, uh, but don't necessarily work their way up. Joe Douglas is one of those guys, and I think he has a certain amount of respect because of that. So, yeah, I, I, you guys have the right guy. Did he leave because there was nowhere else for him to go because of DaCosta and Ozzie Newsom being at the top? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, when he eventually went over to the Bears uh, for that little stint, it was in an upward movement, and I think it was on the track to eventually become a general manager. Uh, obviously, he did, but then he left the Bears and went over to the Eagles, you know, did his thing over there, learned under a, another really good general manager, uh, maybe more of the contract side of stuff versus the scouting side of stuff, which, you know, Baltimore's been good with, but Philly over the last few years has been phenomenal with. So, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's kind of the move that he had to make because DaCosta, for, I mean, really for the last decade, really, you knew DaCosta was eventually going to step up in, into the general manager position. It sounds like he had a really good rapport with Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta and those in the front office. Tell me a little bit about the rapport that he had with the players when he was in Baltimore. You know, again, I, I think a good one. I think when you're able to find those guys in the, in the middle rounds and you're able to go ahead and talk to them, and, and especially as scouts, you know, those are the guys that are the front lines that tend to be, you know, talking to these guys well before they're drafted, well before anything happens. Even if they're drafted by another team and eventually brought on, those are the guys that players tend to remember. So, you know, I think a pretty solid one over here. Uh, again, whenever you have a guy that's going to go to the, go to bat for you, and I'm going to keep pointing at Joe Flacco being a perfect example for that, a guy that maybe not everybody thought was a first-round pick at the time, went to bat for him, was really instrumental in getting him here that type of stuff tends to stick around. Those guys tend to have a lot of respect for you afterwards. And then naturally, when you have that type of respect, it just kind of multiplies everywhere else. You think C.J. Mosley will be happy to see him? <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> uh, it would not shock me too much if Douglas brought over uh, quite a few Baltimore guys, Baltimore scouts, and, and uh, some of those types of guys from here currently in order to go ahead and fill out the rest of his executives there. Anybody in particular you can think of that was close to Douglas that he might want to poach? Not off the top of my head, but uh, he, he certainly, I'm sure, has had some names around here that he's been looking at. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and it's going to be further interesting to see, you know, maybe if Geese doesn't necessarily work out long term and you still have Joe Douglas there, 
to see if maybe he doesn't uh, maybe start poaching some of the coaching staff for the next round up. What about some of the players? Any players you can think of that he might try and recruit? That's an interesting one. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I had not thought about that prior to right now, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that's that's certainly the case. I mean, Baltimore has you know a few guys coming uh, to free agency next year. Jimmy Smith, the cornerback here, is a guy that you know I would suspect maybe goes over to New York. Uh, he's on the final year of his contract right now. On the downside of his career, I'd say, at 32 uh, next year. He's one of the higher-paid cornerbacks right now, but that's probably not going to be the case next year. Uh, but still serviceable, still one of the better ones, if healthy, and is able to stay on the field. Uh, Pernell McPhee, uh, again, on a one-year deal, they just signed him this offseason to kind of help out. You know, maybe again a little bit on the older side. Kenneth Dixon is a guy that might not make this team this year, uh, but is a guy that I'm, I'm sure Do- Joe Douglas would go to bat for. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens love what Dixon has done. Again, health issues, some of those types of things. Uh, but that, that's a guy that maybe can come in there and help spell Le'Veon Bell a little bit. Uh, Kenneth Dixon has, has done well in the passing game as a solid runner as well. And if maybe not being put into that starting lineup, you can go ahead and split some of those carries, help save your, your new running back from a little bit of touches uh, while while bringing in a guy that you know you, you have ties with here in Baltimore can maybe bring some of that culture in from Baltimore as well. What does Douglas seem to look for in players? Because he was a scout, like you said, for a really long time. So tendencies develop. Was there anything that you noticed in terms of a pattern with him as far as what he liked in a player that he would scout? Not really when it comes to, to him specifically, but I think you, you look at Baltimore's mentality as a whole, and, and the mentality has been high-character guys. The mentality has been uh, either you're going to be a phenomenal athlete, and we can teach you kind of how to play a little bit, especially in the later rounds, uh, or you're a technician and, and you're a hard-nosed guy. Baltimore, the Ravens specifically, have this kind of approach. They like to call it play like a Raven, which is a good guy on the field, a good guy off the field. But you know what? And, and Marshall Yon is a perfect example of this. A guy that off the field, teddy bear. You're going to love him. Fantastic guy, quiet guy. On the field, he might rip your throat out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the guys that I think, you know, Joe Douglas is going to go after. He's going to go after those guys that uh, just have a high motor that are willing to go ahead and play until the, the echo of the whistle as it is. Uh, and, and I think you guys are going to get some really solid players out of out of what Joe Douglas can do. What about his personality? When he was in Baltimore, was he known for having an easygoing personality? Do you think that he can work with somebody like Adam Gase? I know that Howie Roseman in Philly is known for being difficult to work with, so that would be a feather in his cap in that regard. But did he have a reputation for being able to work with just about anybody? Sadly, uh, I didn't get a chance to, the Ravens kind of keep a lot of that stuff more hidden. Uh, so sadly, we didn't get a chance to really get to know him a lot as a person. Uh, we got a chance to see his results. Uh, but, you know, again, well-respected here in Baltimore. So I, I think that mentality, and as an offensive lineman himself, a former offensive lineman, he, he has that, techni- uh, that, that technique and that personality of just, just get the job done. Just work. Just work hard. Constantly go ahead and keep putting yourself into it, and good things are going to happen. So. Uh, I, I think, you know, as long as no one, uh, oh, excuse me, as long as everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're working hard, I think you're going to get along with Joe Douglas. If you start acting up a little bit, if you start going ahead and being a prima donna, if you maybe don't go ahead and put in the work in the off season, yeah, maybe things will change on that, and he might uh, turn a little sour on you. But uh, you know, again, time I think will we'll tell as a general manager 
if he still holds the same type of personality uh, from person to person as he did when he was a scout. My friend Chris Nimbley covers the Jets for his website, JetsInsider.com, and he said one thing that struck him is that all the people he talked to, he can't find anybody to say a negative word about Joe Douglas. Do you think that that would hold true if you were to talk to a bunch of people in the Ravens organization, from the coaching staff to the players to the people in the front office? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, I have not heard a bad thing about Joe Douglas. Uh, the only things that I've ever heard about him is kind of, again, what I, what I already said, it's hard worker, uh, you know, grew from the ground up, uh, was one of those guys. You know, again, the, the famous story of him is that he just kept throwing his resume at Baltimore, wasn't hired initially, wasn't hired the second time, but just kept going, please hire me, please hire me, here's my resume, here it is. And eventually just wore the team down and went, all right, fine, man, fine, here's a job. That's great, that's great, that's what football should be about. And I think that type of attitude gets along with so many people because they love, everyone wants to win. And the guys that win are the guys that put in the hardest work. As you followed the results that he produced, as you were saying before, did you start to think in your mind at some point that this guy would be destined for a general manager role? Definitely, definitely. When he, when he got brought over to, to the Bears, I kind of figured that was the track that he was eventually going to be on. And then when the, the Eagles brought him in, uh, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to take over for Roseman, but uh, I, I certainly thought that, yeah, he, he's gathering the experience he needs from a, a, a contract standpoint, from a handling things a little bit more than just a you know, scouting perspective. He was learning the things that he needed to learn in order to become that. And, and obviously, it's, it's certainly paid off for him. And from the sound of it, it looks like the Jets really didn't have much of a, you know, while they searched, it seemed like Douglas was their guy. Last question I wanted to ask you, being somebody that observed him for 15 years as a scout and the results that he produced, what would you say to Jets fans who are wondering about his ability to find talent and to cultivate that talent, to go out and get the right guys to build the roster from a scout and pro personnel standpoint? Because he obviously had a big hand in a lot of that with the Ravens. What would you tell Jets fans to expect in that regard? I'd tell them to be patient. Uh, I think that's one thing that is so easy to not do, especially when you have you know a new head coach, new, new general manager. It's so easy to expect results immediately. He's going to take a few years to go ahead and build up that roster. As we mentioned before, those late-round picks, they don't come in year one, they don't come in year two. It's three and four that you typically see those guys go ahead and rise up to become starters, and then eventually, hopefully, you know, really good starters. So be patient with them, but I, I think all in all, you know, Again, you, get, you guys are going to get good players from Joe Douglas. It's what he's done now for, for nearly two decades. I, 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 I cannot speak highly enough about what you're going to get from him. Uh, but again, got to be patient. You got to go ahead and let him do his thing for a little while uh, before you really start to see those results. But you should see those results pretty quickly. Matthew, I just checked, and after the 2020 season, Marshall Yonda is an unrestricted free agent. I know that at that point he'll be 35 years old, but mm, I don't know. I think he might be headed this way. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I, every year I look at Marshall Yonda and go, all right, eventually he's got to stop being great, right? Like eventually time just catches up with you. I know it. I'm 32 myself. Uh, I know I'm not going out there doing much anymore. Uh, but every year, Marshall Yonda gets out there, and then you just look at him it, 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 just for a game, and the guy's brilliant. So, while yeah, you know, he's a free agent then, and you look at his age, and you go, oh, he's probably not going to be, don't count him out, that guy's still probably an all-pro at that age. 
Sounds kind of like what happened with Ray Lewis. It was always like, Ray's going to be too old. Ray's going to be too old. And then he would come back and be an all pro. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's <laughs> do not be shocked if at 35, Marshall Yanda is like pushing around, uh, you know, a, a top five pick uh, <laughs> on the field somewhere, just dominating some poor defensive end who doesn't know what to do. Right now, Matthew likes me, but as soon as Joe Douglas and the Jets start poaching Ravens talent, then he's going to turn on me big time. He's going to start texting me, damn it, I never should have talked to you, you jinxed me. (laughs) You will absolutely get some messages from me if players start going over there. As it is, you guys already stole uh, a C.J. Mosley from me, and that's not a Joe Douglas thing, but. Ooh, I was a little pissed about that this offseason. <laughs> Go back a little further. Our buddy Rex Ryan was stealing guys, too. Remember Jim Leonard, oh. Bart Scott? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think there's a reason why you guys went to some championship games. And uh, not to speak ill of Rex, but uh, it was probably a lot of that poaching the player thing. So we'll see what happens this offseason, or next offseason, excuse me. When, uh, when some Ravens start becoming free agents and see if maybe that starts happening. All these years later, by the way, and Bart Scott's still here. We can't get rid of him. He's still here. He doesn't <laughs> want to go back to Baltimore. I'm just kidding. We love Bart Scott here. He's great, especially on SNY. But it's going to be interesting to watch how this develops. I'm curious to see if Douglas tries to poach guys from his time in Chicago, in Philly, in Baltimore, or even guys for his staff, like you mentioned before, Matthew. So this will bear monitoring over the coming weeks, months, and even years, really. Matthew Stevens is the managing editor over at USA Today's Ravens Wire. Thanks so much for coming on, Matthew. I really appreciate it. I think you and Walla did a great job in explaining the strengths of Joe Douglas as a scout and really accentuating the positives from his time in Baltimore overall. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you or read your great work, why don't you go ahead and let them know? Absolutely. Well, you can go ahead and go to ravenswire.usatoday.com. You can find all of our written work, both from uh, while I'm myself, as well as on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. Uh, hit me up. Feel free to go ahead and contact me at any time. And uh, we always enjoy talking football over there. Go ahead and follow Matthew on Twitter. Read his great work over at USA Today's Ravens Wire. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn on the Jets.com.